0: does happiness matter to God so Jesus talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount It's how he started the sermon the, the longest sermon that we have recorded that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount he started with happy how to be happy he taught you know we we've translated it from the word blessed the same word in our language that could be blessed is also the word happy and so Jesus talked about this So let me ask you this, how would you feel if the church wasn't supposed to be happy? If you came to God and you were supposed to be down and depressed, now I've been to some overseas churches that were that way and I'm not going to pick on them today, but I've gone into some of those churches and the men sit on one side and the ladies sit on the other side and they just sit there with their heads bowed and (sighs) woe is me going to make it through life how many of you know God wants us to become happy people joy from inside Jesus was a happy person and as difficult as his life was and how it ended so last week we talked about how it is how you're blessed how you're happy if you're humble Poor in spirit is what the translations that we are used to hearing say, but poor in spirit means being humble and humility brings happiness to your life. Humility is you being able to be relaxed and letting others relax in God's grace and knowing that his grace is sufficient for all of our sin. Stay with me. His grace is sufficient for all of your sin, all of it. Well you don't know what I've done, John. I don't care what you've done. If you think your, your sin is bigger and worse than God's grace, how prideful is that? You think your sin is the only sin in all of planet Earth and all of humankind that is not capable of being covered by the blood of Jesus? Woo, that's pride. His blood is sufficient for all of your sin, Sam? Absolutely. So humility is relaxing and letting others relax in God's grace. Now, does that mean that we don't have standards? No, that's a whole other issue. But you need to know that you can relax in God's grace and we can love one another and walk with one another. Love covers over a multitude of sin is what the scripture says. Humility is also accepting God for who he is, what he likes and what he doesn't like. And when you live in humility, you're able to enjoy you. You're able to enjoy the people around you and you're able to enjoy God. That's what humility does. It brings happiness into our lives. And today we're going to talk about happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who have a broken heart. How could they possibly be happy if they have a broken heart? Well, the rest of it tells us how they're going to be happy. Because they will be comforted by God. You say, well, what good does that do, John? John? When you have the personal almighty God of the universe, the creator of the universe, personally comforting you, and you realize that He's the one that got you through that horrible situation with His personal comfort, or that He's able to now that you're going to let Him have bring that comfort into your life, when you realize that, you'll be happy. It brings peace and that God himself would care so much about you to bring peace and comfort to you that makes you happy. You see, Jesus taught us in this passage how to be happy in spite of our circumstances, not waiting for circumstances to all come together and everything to be right and fixed. Jesus taught us how to be happy in spite of those circumstances. How many of you can remember your first broken heart? I remember mine. It was Elizabeth Stein. (laughs) She was so cute. I saw her in kindergarten, and I couldn't wait to get back to first grade. Yeah, there's another story that goes with that. But I got a broken heart in first grade. And the fact is, the older you get in life, the more serious broken hearts become. Don't you wish they were all first grade broken hearts? And the Bible gives us so much insight into suffering. The Bible leaves us with a lot of information about suffering and the purpose and the meaning behind it, the various reasons God allows suffering in our lives. And the whole book of Job seems to be about dealing with suffering, but it's bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. The book of Job is actually about a God with a broken heart. A God that knows what a broken heart feels like. A God that is looking for humankind to love Him. Not that He needs us, but He's chosen to set His affections on us. And He says, when you reject me, when you say no to me, I feel that. And that's a broken heart. And so when Jesus says, hey, look, I I will comfort, my spirit will comfort the broken hearts. You know that He's coming with some, some personal eternal credibility having experienced it himself. Matthew chapter 4, he says, Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He knows what it's like to have a broken heart, and he says, My spirit will comfort you if you'll let me. So how can you be happy after a loss, after a broken heart? How can you be happy after the worst of the worst has happened? How can you be happy when your dreams are stolen or squelched or shattered? How can you still be happy? It seems reasonable to just go through the rest of life angry and frustrated. How can you be happy still after all of that? Because God will help you. You see, happiness begins with the peace and comfort of God in your life. That's where happiness begins. Jesus said, You'll be happy for God will comfort you. He will comfort you. So happiness begins with this peace and comfort. How can you begin to experience that? Well, first, let's talk about this. Realize that God is with you. He's with you. Remember what the word, the name Emmanuel is. God is with us. Jesus would be called Emmanuel. God with us. And you've got to remember that God is with you. You're not alone. You say, well, where is He? You can see Him looking back. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but you can always see Him looking back. You can't see Him looking forward. You can't see Him in the present, even though He's here and He's right there close to you. You can't see Him, but you can always look back and go, oh man, the details. He was in the details. He was the still small voice. He was the one that tweaked something. He was the one that made me forget my keys or forget money and got me to a certain spot when I needed to be there and I had to go back. And all of the things that that happened throughout your daily life, he's the one that comes and, and, and arranges all of those things. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will do these things for you. He's with you. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to Who? So if you're brokenhearted today, you need to know that God has nudged himself up next to you, but he's so he's so humble in and of himself that unless you recognize his existence and presence there, that you won't even notice it. That's God. And look what it says, he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So here's the fact. He's here. And he's closer than you can imagine. And he's watching over you. He's with you in your pain. And you need to remember these three things when you're in pain. One of the things that throughout all the years, and my late wife Angela and I would always talk about when we came into a real struggle, something that we were really, really going through, you know. You guys know what those things are like, right? And I would talk with her and, and I remember specific moments where we would hold hands and I would just say, Honey, Here's here's what we got to always remember. And this is what we've always said. God knows God cares and he will come through for us. He knows about it. He cares about it. We know that and we believe that and he's going to come through for us. And so first you need to know that God is very aware of your situation. Whatever happened to you a long time ago, whatever happened to you yesterday, whatever you did, whatever mess up you made, God is very aware of your situation and he wants to be there for you. You just need to know that he knows about it. He's not some God of the universe that's up there and doesn't understand what's going on in your life. God is so big. He's so amazing. He's everywhere present at all times and he sees it all. He was always there and always will be there. That's who he is. So you need to know that he's aware. Job said this. He said, you keep a close watch on all my paths. That's what Job believed. You keep a close watch, God, on all my paths. You know where I am. I know know that you see me. And then the Bible says this in uh, Psalm 56, verse 8. King David wrote this. You've kept track of every toss and turn through the sleepless nights. How many of you had a sleepless night this week? He said, you keep track of that. Each tear entered into your ledger. God, you wrote down where all my tears came from and what they were all about. Each ache written in your book. God keeps track of all of that stuff. Well, isn't he too big? That's how big he is. That he's capable of keeping track of every tear that you've ever cried. Every pain that you've ever experienced, he knows about. And he cares about it. And you better know that He knows about it. Secondly, He cares. God cares. you got to know that. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. He cares for us. You see, we have a sympathetic and he- heavenly Father that knows everything that's going on in your life. And He cares. He's not, he, he's not, he's not up there just going, Oh yeah, it's just humankind. That's the way it is. He's not like the return place at Costco, you know, Just get in line. It's not who he is. He actually cares. And third, God wants to help you out. You need to know that. You need to know it. You need to believe it because it's true. Let us approach God with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. In our time of need, he's saying, approach him with confidence. God, I know you care. I know you know about this. And I know that you're the answer. And I believe. And he's able to help us in our time of need because of that. You see, some people grow through their pain, but some people get stuck in it. Some people go on, move forward through their hurt. But some people get stuck in the past. Why? Because they never take the next step. And the next step is so important. It's one thing to know that that God is there. It's one thing to know that God cares. It's another thing to know that God wants to help you out. But you've got to take this next step. And the next step is this. Release the hurt. Release it. Give it over. Release it about seven months or so after I lost Angela last year I was talking to a lady that had lost her husband about two and a half years after before that and I was talking to her about the situation and I said you know I'm just trying to find a way to move on and it was interesting to hear from somebody else that's already been down that road you know it's so important to talk to people about what you're going through you know that don't you It's important and you pick up on things. And she said something that was so important to me and I've I've held on to it. She said, well, what I've learned is this. That instead of moving on, I just need to move forward. And at first I wanted to say, what's the difference? But there is a difference. Moving on gives the connotation that I'm just stuffing it down and pretending it didn't happen. But moving forward is a completely different visual as you move forward you find that you start releasing the hurt out of your life you're letting it go kind of like if you get in your car and you drive down the highway you're letting fuel go it's burning up that fuel right and and moving forward is in the same way burning up all of that hurt but if you just let your car sit in the garage year after year after year what happens the fuel rots And then you've got real problems. But you've got to move forward. don't, Don't worry about moving on. Just start moving forward. Just start taking one step at a time. And you will begin to burn out that pain. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 says, Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Don't dwell on the past. What is he saying? Move forward. Strain forward. Release that to me, and you'll find healing. So there are some other options, and these are some other ways that we uh, we handle our pain. One is that we repress it; we push it down, we swallow it. If you swallow something, what happens? It gets into your stomach, and your stomach is going to have a your stomach is going to keep score on what you put in it, right? And if you swallow your pain and you just hold it in, what happens? It, and you pretend that it doesn't exist. Eventually, there's problems that come from that. Otherwise, we also uh, use this one. We rehearse it. I talk to people and, man, they they rehearse it over and over in their head. They just go over the same thing, the same problem. They're always thinking about it. Every time a smell comes in and it reminds them of the situation, they just rehearse it over and over. And listen, I know, I understand it. I've been there and I am there sometimes. But you've got to start connecting those memories with other m- new memories, right? You've got to start going ahead and going to that place that reminds you of that situation and create new memories there. You've got to begin to get rid of the rehearsals that are going all over and over in your head and start filling your life with new memories and better things. Uh, another way that we deal with it is we resent it. We resent it. And we just use anger to deal with it all the time. Listen, when someone has hurt you, when the pain is caused by someone else, especially when they just did it intentionally, the easiest thing for you to do is to just start being angry with them and resentful towards them and holding on to that. You might even fantasize about their demise. So just a few weeks before Angela passed away, she was betrayed by a couple that we thought were good friends of ours in this drama club that she, she led. And after she passed away, it was, see, anger was my way of trying to avoid the pain. And it's not that I walked around angry all the time. You guys saw me during that period of time. But anger felt a lot better than the pain of the loss that I had experienced. Anybody know what I'm talking about? and so i would find any little thing that i could to be angry with and and this couple just so happened to be the perfect targets and since then i've been able to meet with them i got to be honest with you the first time wasn't very pretty because i did let him know that yeah you messed with my wife and now she's gone but i met with him again this week for third or fourth time we had breakfast. And it was peaceful. It was everything that it needed to be for us to be able to restore this relationship. He and his wife are doing whatever it takes to try to make it right. And why am I doing it? Because I'm doing what the Lord says. You forgive and you restore. and Don't resent. Because there is no comfort in resentment from the Holy Spirit. There is no peace in and resentment. And you've got to let go of the people that hurt you and the people that hurt those that you love. and You've got to give them over to God. I could have easily ridden that resentment railroad for the rest of my life, and who would it have hurt? Myself, probably would have touched my kids' lives. You see, God says you don't repress it. Don't push it down, don't swallow it, don't stuff it down, don't rehearse it, don't let it just continually go over and over in your head, and certainly don't use resentment because all that does is keeps God, it blocks Him out from being able to heal you and help you and comfort you. What does He say to do? He says, it's time to release it. It's time to give it up. It's time to give that pain over to Him. What does that mean? Romans chapter 12 says, dear friends, Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for He has said He will repay those who deserve it. Aren't you glad that's there? God has said that you can delegate all of your revenge to Him. Isn't that awesome? He says, give it to me. Trust me with it. Trust me with your pain. Trust me with what people do. Trust me that I'm going to make all things right. Listen, if you want to let go of your hurt, you've got to let God settle the score. You've got to trust him with it. And if somebody has hurt you, let God handle it. It's time to delegate it to him. He's asked for it. In fact, he's commanded it. He says, your responsibility is to forgive as I have forgiven you. I will take care of them. The hurts that hurt the most are those that are out of our control. And somehow, Our pride tells us, well, if I'm angry enough or if I'm sad enough that I'm able to gain control of it. No, God has given us one way to take control of our pain in our lives. And here it is to give it over to him. That's how you control the pain in your life. You give it to him. You say, God, this isn't mine anymore. I give it to you. I trust you with it. When my kids would come up to me and say, Dad, you should have seen what they did to me. They hit me so hard. Okay, did you do anything back to them? Well, I tapped them on the shoulder. Okay, well, you fixed it then. That's justice. What? No, it's not. Yes, it is. Well, I only tapped them. They hit me hard. Okay, but you chose a tap to be the payment back instead of bringing it to me. And that's exactly what God says. He says, look, if you want to tap them back, go ahead. But if you bring it to me, I will bring justice to the situation. If you'll trust me with it. God has empowered us to take control of these things in our lives by giving them to him. And you can be free of it. You can be free of it. This is this is what it looks like. Years ago, remember when we used to have cameras? Remember those things? Had film in them and all of that. So we had a we had a nice camera. It was a decent camera. I say a nice camera. It was like 50 bucks. So for us, that was a nice camera. And uh, anyway, I was gone at work, and Angela realized that the camera had been broken. And so she got online, and she started looking to see yeah, you know if anyone else has experienced this, and sure enough, and someone told you know wrote on there how to fix it and stuff, so I come home from from the church and and uh, walk in and Angela, she was so funny instead of having it on the kitchen table, she's sitting in the living room on the floor, and she's got parts of this camera all out <laughs> on the floor in the living room, and worse than that, she had gone and gotten some tools and a box with some stuff in it from the garage and there was other things on the floor with it so you couldn't even tell what parts of the camera were parts of the camera it was just a conglomeration i think she was really trying to solidify us to getting a new camera is what she was doing but, you know, that's what you fixing your problems, your, your struggles look like. You know, you, you start taking your heart apart and, and you've got it pieced out and you're trying to fix it. You know, we jump into relationship after relationship looking for validation. Well, if I work harder, I'm going to climb up the ladder and I'm going to have validation there and that's going to fix my broken heart. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, what is that, a Taylor Swift song someday, I'm going to be in a big old city and you're, all you're going to be is mean. You know, I mean, we're going to, that's our dream, that's what we want. And we read all of these self-help books and we're like, oh, there's a good one, I'm going to use that. And we try to put things back together and it's just, it's just like that camera piece is everywhere and it doesn't work. And God says, it's time for you to release it. Don't waste the rest of your life on that. Well, John, I'm trying to honor the memory. Honor it with the rest of your life. Living. Living. God says, give it to me. You ever see a little kid pick up something they shouldn't have? It's going to hurt them. Give it to me. And you're afraid of freaking them out because then they'll go, oh. (laughs) And God says, give it to me. It's time. You're done with it. It's a new day and a new beginning. Give it to me. And never forget that God is very aware of what people do to you. Psalm chapter 10 is the victim psalm. And the gist of that psalm is this that Lord there are, there are guys out there that are hurting people and they're doing things, they're taking things, and they're helping they're, they're they're hurting the helpless people and, and taking advantage of all of these people and and here's what they say, God, they say that they say that you don't care. They say who cares? God's not watching. God doesn't care about what we're doing to these people. God doesn't care that we're stealing or hurting or Beating people up. God doesn't care if we murder people. God doesn't care about any of that because He's not watching. And then He gets down to verse 14 and says, But you, oh God, do see the hurt, the grief, and the pain, and you will cause that person, call that person into judgment and avenge the helpless and the victims. God, you do see it. And He knows and He does care. Leave it in God's hands. So, what do you do with the anger? You see, anger is passion out of whack. Anger is passion out of whack. What does that mean? It means instead of living in anger, we can choose to be passionate and helping people through the same thing that we've been through. And so the rest of my life, I'm passionate about helping people because of my pain. And that's what you can be too. It gives you purpose and meaning. Start a grief group. Do something with your pain. Find what God has allowed that in your life for and do something meaningful with it. If you're mourning, grief, hurting, realize God is with you. He sees it. He knows, he cares, and he has a plan. And you need to release it to him. Third, rely on God's resources. You see, God has resources for your comfort, and they're available right now. Let me give you them real quick. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. First, you've got to receive his comfort. Say, God, I receive your comfort. Would you give me your peace? Your peace. Give me your comfort. Receive it. How can I be happy in the midst of tragedy or after it? How? You receive his comfort and be aware of it. You know, it's amazing the things that we use to try to comfort ourselves use all kinds of substances, right? Drugs, alcohol, affairs, TV. We we'll go home and just binge watch Netflix forever. Novels, sleep. Some people just sleep all the time, even take pills just to sleep, just trying to manage their pain. And God says, "You don't have to live that life. You don't have to live that life. I have comfort. real answers and meaning for your life if you'll let me. So what are some things, what are some comforters that God uses? First, he uses his word. You've got to fill your mind with scripture. David said this in Psalm 119, verse 25 and 52. He said, I'm completely discouraged. How many of you know he was in a dark spot there? I'm completely discouraged. He could have just said, I'm discouraged. (laughs) But I am completely discouraged. Revive me by your word, your word is been my comfort. So David recognized that God's word. Is Did you know that the book of Psalms was written for the comfort of God's people? Amen. And if you read through the book of Psalms, I would encourage you to go home and just start reading through that. If you're struggling, if you're dealing with something that's really your, your great struggle, go home and start highlighting anything that brings comfort that God has said throughout the book of Psalms, what those guys have written. Highlight it. And then you've got a document that for the rest of your life, you'd be able to go back and see what you highlighted in those moments. And you'd be able to receive the comfort from God's word through that. One of the things that I do in the mornings is I'll flip on um, YouTube and there's scriptures that people have on there that they read. And I just find comfort just letting that fill the room, you know, the voice of someone reading it, unless it's an annoying voice, you know. (laughs) find another one but they're healing scriptures that, that they've compiled there's a lot of different things let it just begin to penetrate your soul and I can tell you personally you find comfort in doing that second thing is God's people these people around you we're God's people and God has given you us to comfort you And to help you through what you're going through. And let me say this. You need to be here. You need to be here. Especially when you don't feel like it. You ever been laying in bed? Oh, I don't feel like going. Where does that come from? Someone who knows you need to be there that day, especially. How many have ever heard that voice and you showed up at church and went, oh man, if I had missed this. How many have ever experienced that? You need God's people. You need to be around us. Now, we can be a little corny sometimes. (laughs) All right, I'm speaking for myself. (laughs) No, we're not perfect, and that's the point. You need to be encouraged by people that aren't perfect, that will love you and be here and encourage you, shake your hand. I was talking to one of our guys one time, and he said, man, first time I came, I thought... Good Lord, these people are way too happy. (laughs) And they're way too nice. This must be a cult. (laughs) Yeah. We are nice. Why? Because of what I'm telling you today. We've been comforted by God. And we want you to experience that same comfort. You need to be at the women's ministries stuff, the group. You need to be at the men's stuff. You need to be in ministry serving one another. You need it. You need God's people. And the kids out in kids' church, they need their other kids. They need to grow up in an environment hearing about Jesus and having friends. I I have friends that I still talk to to this day that I grew up with in church. You need the time lingering after services, just hanging out, talking to each other. You need to go to lunch with each other. You need that. Second Corinthians chapter 1. The God of all comfort comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. Third, God's spirit is our comfort. God uses his spirit to comfort us. And listen, this is the greatest comfort of all. It's who He is. He's the Comforter. That's what Jesus said. He said, when I leave here, I go and it's for your benefit. And the reason I leave here is so that the One, the Comforter, will come. Who is He? He is the Spirit of Christ. So Jesus, instead of just being one human being for us to line up and go, hey, do you got some time to comfort me? He says, I'm going to send My Spirit into planet Earth and he is available for every single one of you to comfort you and to encourage you and to empower you and to do something in your life that helps you cope with what you cannot change and helps you to deal with your pains in life and put those life, those life experiences into meaning and purpose for the kingdom of God and touching people's lives. You see, 2,000 years ago when Jesus left, He said, I'm sending the Comforter. He's going to be there. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to comfort His people, to be comfort, comfort for you. So the Holy Spirit comes into your life not to make you some kind of religious fanatic, not to scare you, not to turn you into some kind of oddball. He comes into your life to comfort you and to help you and to empower you to do what God has called you to do in your life. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. Listen, it's not just an Acts chapter two experience. What happened in Acts chapter two, the baptism in the Holy Spirit with tongues and you go oh, tongues. Yes, that's a biblical experience, the people experienced, it brought it brought it, it brought encouragement to them and empowerment to them to do what God had called them to do. And it continued all throughout the rest of the New Testament. And don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of him. He's the comforter and he will help you and he will encourage you. And as a pastor and as a chaplain, I've walked with a lot of people through a lot of grief. Listen, psychologists see emotional pain. Doctors see physical pain. Financial administrator, counselors see financial pain. But pastors and chaplains, we see it all. Every day, what people are going through in all of these situations. And I deal with people with financial pain, relational pain, physical pain, marital pain, pain with their children, the struggles and problems that we have. I see it all in the test of a man's faith always culminates to a place called a funeral. And you see what someone is made of when someone has died that's very close to them. And it breaks my heart to go to a funeral where nobody was there as a believer. Have you ever been to one of those? You were the only believer? They have no hope. And they don't look to God for comfort. I went to one. The funeral was actually in a bar. James David, would you come? a memorial in a bar. Imagine that. I go to a lot of places, guys. I've seen a lot. It was dark. It was smoky. Everyone was drinking up to the one whose ashes were in the bottle. Declaring their hope to see her in hell. As though that was their only hope. The Bible says when Jesus comes into your life, you have hope, and it supersedes the pain. And struggle. The Bible says that when Jesus comes into your life, you have meaning that supersedes all of your pains and heartache. And the Bible tells us what the end of your story is. And it's time for you to believe. You've got to release and believe. Revelation chapter 21. God's home is now with His people. He will live with them. And they will be His own. Yes, God will make His home among His people. He will wipe all tears from their eyes and there will be no more death Suffering, crying, or pain. These things of the past are gone forever. And I love this. Then the one sitting on the throne said, just a great visual, isn't it? He said, I am making everything new. Write down what I have said. My words are true and can be trusted. Everything is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give water from the life-giving fountain to everyone who is thirsty. All who win the victory will be given these blessings. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's your future. That's your future. Do you believe it? And I invite you to invite Jesus into this life. Not because you're going to die tonight, but because most likely you're going to live tomorrow. Sure, you could die. But most likely you're going to be alive tomorrow and you're going to need His comfort. You're going to need His help. You're going to need His encouragement. You're going to need His presence in in, in your life. And you're going to need Him to help you move forward with a meaningful life. And inviting Him into your life and inviting His presence and His Spirit to bring comfort to you. That's a great place to start. Would you bow your heads? Just ask him to help you right now. Ask him, invite him in. That's how God works. He's knocking. He says, I'll be there if you'll let me. I'm here, I'm closer than you know ready to rush into your life with help with peace and with comfort if you'll let me Father there are some deep deep wounds in this house today you have begun to heal I believe and I thank you that you care so much about us You were there in the moments of tragedy. And you're here now. We don't understand everything, but God, we give it to you. We give it to you. You're our God. We don't have anybody else to turn to. We've tried everything that this world offers. but We come to you today. We come to you. For the rest of our lives, we ask you to fill us with meaning and purpose, hope, power, strength. And God, I ask that each and every one that's in here today would experience the intimacy of your spirit, that we would become hungry. For more of you. Not just to know you, not just to have the hope of heaven, but God to have your presence so deep and passionate in our lives on a daily basis through the power of the Holy Spirit and connection of the Holy Spirit in our lives that you, oh God, would allow for that. We ask you, for that. We thank you, for Thank you for healing right now. Bind up the brokenhearted In Jesus' name.